Welcome to Your Money, Your Mission, the podcast designed to turn complex financial situations into actionable advice, powered by Johnson Financial Group. Today, we are going to explore the financial impacts of marriage and the consequences when marriage breaks down. My very special guest today is attorney Susan Hansen of the firm Hansen & Hildebrand. Attorney Hansen focuses her practice on collaborative divorce and mediation. She uses her experience to educate clients and to help them create positive and private solutions outside of the courtroom. Susan is also the co-founder of the Family Mediation Center. Sue, it is an honor to have you here with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Kelly. I remember well when we were in the courtrooms together in many years past, but it's good to be here with you today. Thank yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sue, when I was uh, practicing, I did have the privilege to hear you speak many times, um, and I found your approach and your information so incredibly valuable. Um, and I know your focus is typically on helping people navigate divorce and providing the different options that, that are available. Um, but you shared with me a very interesting article that you had done some time ago with a priest and a rabbi um, that talked about some of the things couples should think about prior to marriage. So I thought before we get into the, the divorce arena, we'd talk a little bit about things you would recommend couples to think about if they're contemplating walking down the aisle. Well, it's an interesting thing to think about relationship or marriage input from a divorce lawyer. I fully acknowledge that. But having been through 40 years of seeing couples uncouple and divorce, certainly there are patterns and things that I've seen and ways that I think that couples can set a stronger foundation before they marry. And I think the key is communication. Um, I think that in the throes of making decisions about marriage, Things can be overlooked or difficult conversations can be avoided. Uh, the worry about does a prenup mean we're going to get a divorce? My view is the more you can be open and listen and communicate about all topics, the stronger the foundation for your marriage. Th that's interesting. And, and I know we're going to get into um, the various uh, different types of divorce and stages that people uh, may go through divorce in. But I'm wondering if you're observing, when we're talking specifically about communication, um, if you've observed any differences in how certain couples uh, communicate or not. So, And I'm going to give you an example. I had the opportunity to sit with a group of interns uh, about a year ago. They were all probably average about 25 years old. And we talked about things about their attitudes towards marriage, prenups, money, financial planning, those kinds of things. And I found it very interesting that they appear to be more willing to have those conversations about money. Uh, we know the research says that they're delaying marriage longer than what they did back uh, in my day. <laughs> and so we're, we're about 10 years beyond that. But they're more willing to have those uh, difficult conversations. Where it was interesting is some talked about when we we kind of went down the road of prenups. Some said, well, no, absolutely not. We just, we recognize where we are financially and we've decided to tackle it together. Or others said, no, absolutely, that is in fact something we're considering. Are you seeing differences in what uh, different generations have thought about or in their community or what they haven't talked about? I think there's far more prenups amongst younger couples. 
than there were in years past. I think part of it is a bit of waiting. People who have started careers, people who may have accumulated these days substantial student loans, there can be a lot of financial questions. And I think there's greater openness about money. Uh, certainly my generation, money is kind of a taboo. You really didn't right. discuss it. Uh, you certainly didn't know someone's income or net worth or their debt situation. I think those things are far more open now. Um, my view is very straightforward, and that is you can have open financial discussions before you get married, or you may very well land in my office talking to me or one of my partners about divorce later. Money is a major impact in people's lives, and it can be something where you're great partners or it can be very divisive. And often it's what's unsaid that is the corrosive impact on a marriage. So we, we talk a lot about prenups, and there's a lot of preconceived opinions about what that means to have a prenup. Can you share with me a little bit about what your experiences experiencing as, as couples kind of explore that option? Well, obviously, there's a huge diversity from young couples to much older couples, older couples where it's a second or third marriage. Um, my view is everyone should explore a prenup. doesn't mm -hmm. mean everyone needs it, but if they can't have the conversation because it's too difficult a topic for them to pursue, I think they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I think having the conversation at the outset and making a conscious choice. There are young people with no assets, no debts. They're just starting out. Um, maybe they don't need or want a prenup, but they should have the financial conversation prior to getting married because it really sets a good open communication foundation. And if they are older or it's a second marriage, I think a prenup is absolutely essential, especially if there are adult children. Some of the worst conflicts are those between a subsequent spouse and adult children, and you don't want your legacy to be that kind of family conflict or court litigation. So I think the prenup is a really sort of peaceful resolution of anything that may come. And if you never divorce and you don't need it, wonderful. But it also is applicable at death. So it's a component of estate planning in addition to divorce. And I think the foundation can really be positive for the whole family. And this is probably lesser known, but a post-nup agreement. Can you share with us some of the um, circumstances under which you have couples exploring a post-nup? Post-nups happen sometimes because people didn't consider prenup in advance, and they're looking at it. Post-nups can happen when there's family money and there's concern from uh, parents or a prior generation about what's going to happen with assets. Sometimes it is that they encounter financial difficulties and they want to try to create a bit of protection uh, for a spouse who may be more conservative financially than the other. So there's varying reasons, but often the post-nup is something as an alternative to feeling they want to end the marriage and divorce. They want financial planning, they want financial protection, but it doesn't always mean that they want to separate and divorce. So there is a myriad of reasons that couples divorce or contemplate divorce. Obviously, financial stress is one of them. Um, are there other issues that you commonly see that precipitate divorce? I think everyone knows people who've gone through breakups 
uh, married or unmarried, and most know people who've gone through divorce. And there are a myriad of reasons. Um, it's often, again, the what's not said more than mm -hmm. what is said that can be the issue. Um, even things that are like an affair or things that cause a breakup, they're often a symptom of some deeper, longer-term communication issues. Um, there's also mental health issues, uh, addiction, and other untreated mental health uh, that people feel they can't live with if their spouse is unwilling to get help. Um, I would say that mostly it is a growing apart. So in some of the older couples in particular, people who feel they've kind of become roommates rather than spouses, um, children age out, and people look at one another and think, we don't have a lot in common anymore. Um, it is, people have to work at a relationship. And some couples do, some don't. I certainly urge every couple who's considering divorce to actually go into a joint counseling and really air their feelings and their thoughts and their concerns because it's an effort to assess, is divorce really the path you want? Can things be repaired? And even if they do divorce, they tend to do it in a more respectful way if they've been through some of those conversations. I would imagine that response is surprising to some of our listeners who I think have a perception of divorce attorneys of a certain way. But that certainly, you have a different take on that. I think you have a passion for families and for trying to mitigate some of the damage that can happen if the process becomes you know, too contentious. Um, is that why counseling is such an important part of what you start with? I, divorce is not just a legal process. You know, it impacts mm -hmm. every aspect of a person's life. And let me acknowledge that I understand divorce attorneys are usually perceived as a weapon in a legal war. Um, certainly when you say divorce attorney, it provokes certain reactions. Um, mm -hmm. And I think some of that is why today we have about over 70% of individuals going through divorce do not hire lawyers. Um, I think there's high risk on do-it-yourself, what we call a kitchen table divorce. Right. People don't necessarily have the financial information. They don't have the emotional objectivity. And sometimes they can lose focus in terms of their children and their goals. So I do support options that involve getting legal education and information. But I support it in a more well-informed decision-making, not the weapon in the war. And that means mediation has become certainly a focus of mine in which a couple can hire a neutral lawyer. And they work together with one lawyer who acts as a legal educator, guide, and navigator through the court process, but does it jointly to help support their decision-making and a healthy outcome for their family. So that, that brings us to the next question that I have had. We have seen this really interesting increase in what they call gray divorces. And for listeners who don't know what that is, it's typically individuals who are getting a divorce and they're over the age of 50. And sometimes that these can be very long-term divorces. What do you see the differences between dealing with um, a couple that is in a gray divorce versus some of the younger couples divorcing? We definitely see an increase in older couples, uh, couples in their 60s, 70s, occasionally even 80s. But those couples have 
typically had many years together. Um, they have less passion for the conflict or the fight. They are often very concerned about viewing it as restructuring their family, not destroying their family. They have adult children, they have grandchildren, and they want to find a way to navigate that makes sense. They want financial planners involved, not necessarily dueling legal experts, and they want to make smart decisions, and they want to make good decisions that give them financial security going forward. So it's much more common for me to see couples who are somewhat older wanting to work together to try to create an outcome that each can live with and that's also healthy for their family. And, and that's really interesting because I know with um, divorce, especially in that age group, um, there's a lot of research that says family estrangement is much more common in those types of divorces between children and parents um, if it's not handled in a certain way. Um, to your point that there's so much damage that tears the family apart. There's even some research that said there's an increase in um, elderly individuals in nursing homes that are considered familyless uh, because of the estrangement. So that uh, navigating the process in a more um, uh, maybe uh, collaborative way um, seems to, to resolve some of those issues or bring them up to the front so that they can address them sooner rather than later. Is that fair? That, that's an accurate assessment, and we all see what happens to young children. We all know that children caught like a rope in a tug of war between dueling parents, mm -hmm. and we think of that as younger children. You know, the parents in the bleachers who sit at opposite ends and won't look at each other, and what does that mean for their child who now feels caught between mom and dad? And we see that, and we can empathize, and the studies are clear on the harm that conflict causes children. Often the unseen people in divorce are the adult children. And too often they can become the parent's support or taking sides or feeling estranged. And it impacts truly, as you've said, not only those adult children, but their children. It impacts the older couple who now may feel they've lost a relationship that they worked on for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And as they age, those loss of relationships run deep. Um, I've had a number of couples where someone had an affair. There was a lot of emotion, a lot of upset, pain, and anger. But those older couples also more often can come back around to a table jointly and say, but we don't want to destroy our family. And we talk about what do you want your family to look like when this divorce is over. We even bring in child and family specialists, mental health professionals, trained in mediation to help those couples try to have a healthy outcome at the end of their divorce. I think it's some of the hardest work people can do, mm -hmm. which is work together or co-parent at the same time you're separating and divorcing. But the return on that for your family is priceless. And with clients that have a longer-term marriage, they tend to have more financial assets, a more complex financial situation. Um, but one of the things I found in my experience is, especially with older couples, it's very often that one party is unaware of what their financial landscape really is. One of the other, you know, the other partner handled all of that. There's that division of duties, which is very common for couples. We still see it today. 
Um, with younger clients, I typically see that one may still handle it, but they're communicating. But in older cl clients, that's often not the case. Um, how do you deal with a, a, a party where one is uh, really unaware of what the financial landscape is and how to move forward? Well, I've been reaching out to some of the financial planners and agencies to encourage joint communication. Yes, one may manage. Yes, one may you know, pay the bills mm -hmm. and handle things, look at the investment reports. But I think it's essential for both parties to have some understanding. And bluntly, I think that financial planners and accountants can be a great resource in assuring a balance of information and education. If that hasn't occurred and come, the couple's coming to me, um, I will reach out to their financial planner and suggest we have some combined conversation about their assets, about the picture, about the options for uh, separating assets and debts. But it's really important when there is that imbalance that part of my role, especially if I'm a neutral mediator, is to acquire some balance, to do some education and assure typically with the assistance of a financial specialist, that both spouses understand the financial picture and the impact of options. And that's particularly true if there's a small business or more complex assets that need to be looked at, pensions and other things, mm -hmm. to assure fully informed decision making and to assure that people know not just what does it look like on the spreadsheet now, but where is it going to leave you? five years, 10 years, 20 years in the future. What does it look like after divorce? So when you're taking people through the process, you oftentimes will use a, a group of advisors, whether it be, whether it be the counselor, a therapist, um, a financial advisor. Is that pretty typical? Um, yes, I will say I tend to leave the therapist in the privacy of therapy. Okay. I think bringing a therapist in can actually make a client feel more vulnerable or exposed. Okay. I want them to have a private place in therapy. So that's why we work with some of the family specialists who come in trained in mediation to help the couple navigate the process instead of therapy and confidentiality. I also have financial professionals who can come in on business and financial and tax projections. I particularly like it if they have their own financial planner that I can incorporate because they may already have a trusting relationship and now that couple can navigate feeling confident in the information but also having a resource when the divorce attorney or mediator is gone, they have a financial planner who can help them move on in life. And, and what would you say to a, a client who say, that sounds really expensive? Um, I would say that for many people looking at divorce, it's why some are gravitating to mediation. Obviously, one lawyer is far less expensive than two. Mm -hmm. But it's really the level of conflict in divorce that escalates cost. Right. And it can escalate it out of control. $20,000, $50,000 a piece when people are in a fight in court mm -hmm. versus getting the expertise to do it right. And bluntly, the financial planners bill in a different way so it's less out of pocket. The family specialists bill less than lawyers, so it's a great investment to get higher quality services as you restructure your family. 
a lawyer is not one size fits all. And the lawyer bringing in that team actually is oddly but truly cost effective mm -hmm. and lower cost than when it's lawyer driven. Right, right. And when I'm thinking about um, younger clients, um, probably one of the other tips if they're contemplating marriage um, might be to start financial planning early rather than later. There's no question that young people, when you bring up retirement planning, they can glaze over right. as something that's... So far away. <laughs> and yet, what I see is I look at couples of all ages who I'm seeing their financial picture at the time of their divorce. Um, those who have started early gain tremendous financial security by looking at that early on. And whatever they decide, having those conversations and having a financial planner is simply a part of growing up and having a foundation that prepares you for the future. We all know what's happening with interest rates and challenges, um, fewer pensions, more need to save for retirement. People who have those conversations early on, it doesn't mean you don't go on vacations. It right. doesn't mean you don't buy a new car, but it does mean you're thoughtful about where your funds go and that you look ahead at where things and decisions are going to leave you in the future. Right. right. There's some um, misconceptions about a couple of things. When, when a young couple is getting married, I know that I've, I've spoken with uh, clients in my past life and current life that don't quite understand what that means relative to the property they have. And now that they're marrying a little older, um, can you speak a little bit to some of the things you're seeing that really are important for younger couples to know? A foundation for dispute is often the assumptions people make about finances. And that can include, include assumptions about what would happen if they break up. And so there are people who say, well, that student loan is in my spouse's name. I'm not responsible for that. Or, wait a minute, um, this is titled to both of us, so it's 50-50. The answer in divorce law is, in Wisconsin, that when you marry, the assumption is everything becomes divisible at the time of divorce. And that includes not only your assets, things you had prior to the marriage, your student loans, all these different things, and people are unaware of that. And they're often surprised, and it can create issues when they realize they married not knowing that they've created essentially a financial partnership that they may not have realized occurred the day they said, I do. And so, again, having conversation, having a common understanding, having a shared foundation as you begin a marriage is essential. And another area that, that people seem to be confused about is what a legal separation is. Especially uh, some of my older clients I had, uh, actually it wasn't a client of mine, but an individual who, um, uh, it's kind of a sad story, on his wedding night, his wife left with the best man. And so he never saw her again. He moved out of Wisconsin after that. And uh, some years later, uh, she, he never formally got divorced, had decided that, well, clearly this must not stand up, we'll be separated forever, and she started to draw on his Social Security. So he came back to try to get a divorce some years later, but had this impression that they were just separated, and so that must have worked forever. What do you see people think about in terms of separation, and why should they 
know that there is a distinction between how that works. Again, those assumptions when people don't have com conversations or talk to any professionals, it's not unlike, well, isn't there a common law marriage if you live together X Another amount one. of years? The answer in Wisconsin is no. Mm -hmm. right? You could live together for 25 years. That is not the same as getting married, and it doesn't have the same shared income and asset perspective. Likewise, people who separate are still married until the court says they're not. And so they can pursue what's called a legal separation, but that means they started a court action. That means they separated assets, income, and everything as though they were divorced. The only thing a legal separation does not do is officially end the marriage. So it's not common to have legal separations. People who go through all of that tend to say, let's have the finality of divorce. But it is an option. But otherwise, as people say, well, we live separately. So you don't have a claim on my paycheck because we don't live together. The answer is you are married until the court says you are divorced. So the important thing I think you've stressed um, in many of your talks and presentations is that people need to understand what their options are as they're evaluating how to proceed if they've decided they want to go through a divorce. I practiced a more traditional format, settled a lot. But to your point, oftentimes we would end up to deal with disputes in the courtroom. Um, and clients, I don't know that they really know today that there are all these other options. Um, do you want to share with us some of the things clients should consider if they're contemplating a divorce? And can I understand that there are still many lawyers who practice a more traditional advocacy and even adversarial model, but there are alternatives. And frankly, the number of people now doing it on their own continues to grow because people are so adverse to the high conflict and cost in a mm -hmm. traditional divorce. Um, so they do have options. Frankly, about 97% of all cases in divorce end with a signed agreement. It's not so much whether you're going to have an agreement, it's how you're going to get there. And I think the biggest failing for many individuals and couples is they don't take time at the front end to understand their options, to interview potential professionals. So if they get a referral to a lawyer who just does traditional work, they're likely to have a traditional divorce, mm -hmm. where I would hope that couples would take their time, understand the range, the risks and benefits, mediation, collaborative with two lawyers, but an out-of-court settlement approach, traditional litigation, each have a lawyer to advocate and go to court as needed. But I would like them to understand so they can really weigh those alternatives. Many people I speak to have no idea that mediation, for example, is even an option. And I think understanding that, interviewing multiple people, taking your time, because the choice people make at the front end what process, what professional, will have a profound effect on the rest of their divorce. The level of conflict, the level of cost, the impact on their family and their future. So I urge people to take their time. As I said, I think some counseling can be helpful. But if it's going to move into a divorce process, educating yourself about options and making the best choice for the best fit for you and your family is essential for your long-term well-being. 
Thank you so much for sharing this with us today, Sue. This is really important information. I so appreciate you taking your time to do this. And thanks to all of you for being with us today. If you have a question you'd like us to explore, please go to the show notes, type your question, and hit submit. And be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any future episodes of Your Money, Your Mission, the podcast designed to turn complex financial situations into actionable advice, powered by Johnson Financial Group. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any investment or financial product. Whether a particular investment or financial solution is right for you depends on the facts of your particular situation. Please consult your own professional advisors prior to taking any action based on the content of this podcast. Johnson Financial Group and its subsidiaries do not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or tax advisor with respect to your personal situation. Wealth management services are provided through Johnson Bank and Johnson Wealth Inc., Johnson Financial Group companies. Additional information about Johnson Wealth Inc., a registered investment advisor, and its investment advisor representatives is available at advisorinfo.sec.gov. Not FDIC insured, no bank guarantee, may lose value.